0: W-H-H-F-M Indianapolis. It's Indy Speaks. Your life matters, hosted by Cameron Riddle. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. I'm Cameron Riddle, and this is Indy Speaks. This morning, we are getting you ready for the 2016 May primary. That's right. All of those presidential candidates that you've been hearing about on television and on the Internet, they'll be coming to Indiana because they soon will want your vote. We'll be talking with Indianapolis star columnist Matt Tully. We'll be doing that in just moments. Also this morning... Kenneth Businessman Allen, you heard him on the air a few weeks ago, but now he is back from a visit with the president in Washington, D.C. We'll tell you what it is that they talked about this past week. And have you heard about House Bill 1337? It has everything to do with abortion in Indiana, and it'll make this state one of the strictest places to be able to get an abortion. We'll talk with the indie feminists who will join us on our line coming up this hour. But first, we'll begin with Matt Tully, who this week wrote an article in the Indianapolis Star to the Ohio voters, who it looks like heard him. Uh, Matt wanted them to know how important their vote for the Republican nominee would be for this upcoming primary, because oftentimes... Most of the time, whoever Ohio picks for their presidential candidate becomes the nominee and most times president of the United States. This week, it was their governor, John Kasich, who made his case and beat Donald Trump. It was the only place that Donald Trump lost this week, but still big victories for the both of them. What this means now is they will be coming to the great state of indiana 57 delegates are up for grabs here in the hoosier state and they're going to want your vote and your attention so to talk about how important that impact in ohio had on the rest of us who have had yet to vote is matt tully from the indianapolis star matt good morning
1: good morning how are you
0: i'm good uh what inspired you to go ahead and write that column to the voters of ohio
1: well um in all honesty the the column is really for the voters of indiana but I, i kind of thought a, um, a fun way to do it would be to, to write about the Ohio primary and kind of make it an open letter to Ohio. I was surprised by how many people told me they sent it to their brothers and sisters and cousins and friends in Ohio, and I've actually heard from a lot of people in Ohio. Um, but but I, I just once again wanted to make the case that I think Donald Trump is beneath what we should expect as a minimum level of decency in a, in a presidential candidate. Um, and, and I thought that was a way to do it. I also thought, you know, I, Ohio – was extremely important. If if Donald Trump had won Iowa, that race is pretty much over. Um, I I still think he gets the nomination, but but at least at this point, the Republican voters can step back, breathe a little bit, and think about what they really want in the nominee, and, and, and the race continues for at least a few more weeks.
0: I watch the Sunday shows, and I watch MSNBC and CNN all day, and I have conversations about this, and so many Republicans I think are just flat out lying to themselves about how successful Donald Trump has become. Whether or not you agree uh, that he is going to be the best nominee, let alone president, or if he's a good idea at all, there are people out there who are voting for him. This week, that man cleaned up on Super Tuesday. Um, Are you worried um, with how Indiana is going to vote? Because I think this is going to be Trump land.
1: Yeah, um, I, it's too early for me to know exactly um, what's going to happen in Indiana. You know, six, seven weeks is a long time. But I don't think Indiana is that much different than Michigan went, went for Trump. Ohio, you know, was a different beast because they had their home state governor. Mitch Daniels was running for governor This was 2012. I, you know, I, I think it's a different story. But you're going to have Trump, Cruz, um, maybe Kasich. Uh, with, with that being the case, based on just what's happened nationally, I—, I I do think there's a very good chance that, that he wins the Republican primary, even with uh, a lot of Republicans you know, holding their nose or, or, or staying out of it. I will tell you, um, I don't base everything on emails that I receive. I understand it's not a great sample as far as a scientific sample of the public. But, I, you know, I've done this for a long time, and I can't think of any politicians, voters who are more passionate, committed, um, who fight harder in their words, their words at least, for their candidate than Trump it, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen it's it's kind of the way people talk about their hometown football team that passion mm-hmm. you know I mean most people kind of hold their nose with politicians even if they vote even if they vote for them you know they, they don't think they're great the greatest people in the world but his his supporters um, they, they are a passionate dedicated loyal bunch
0: Indiana we've become known as a conservative state and yeah I think if people were to actually go out and vote our Democrats our uh youth uh the black people uh the minorities of indiana if they were to go out and vote we'd be far more purple than we continuously uh become red we've made headlines over the past two years for doing some ultra conservative things whether it be rifra mm-hmm. or now this house bill 1337 which we'll hear about more this hour mm-hmm. of the show um but although those things have come up people here in indiana have not been crazy about those
1: no exactly you know in- I always tell people, I say, you know, one of the worst ways to judge a state is by its state legislature. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a great way to judge a state. Every state's going to look bad. Um, just about every state's going to look bad if you really look at it It's state legislature. Um, but a couple things. One, you know, think what happened here in 2012 when Republicans talked about Dick Lugar, uh, nominated a far, far, far right uh, nominee to the U.S. Senate. In a Republican year, um, Indiana voted for the Democrat moderate uh, for the U.S. Senate seat. Um, Mike Pence won in 2012, but he won with 49 percent of the vote. And I would say if he's struggling right now, it's because he's veered too far to the right on on some issues. You know, this is a state that elected uh, Evan Bayh for a long time, Dick Luther for a long time. Um, I I do think it's obviously a Republican-leaning state and a conservative-leaning state. But but at at heart, it's more of a purple state. Um, I think those kind of elections show you that. Um, Democrats can still win here. Barack Obama won the state only eight years ago. Um, That wasn't that long ago. You know, I I think one of the big problems in the state is the Indiana Democratic Party hasn't been a fully functioning organization for quite some time, and and that's hurt their efforts. Um, But, but yeah, I don't think it's nearly as red as it gets portrayed because of these embarrassments that come out of the legislature.
0: Do you think uh, that our politicians who have done a lot of this far conservative uh, legislation and getting these far... Uh, right conversations and legislations moving. Do you think they will be behind Donald Trump?
1: That's a great question. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I have a feeling there's a lot of politicians out there that are holding their finger to the wind and trying to figure out the best way to handle this. I would think a lot of them are going to go high into the work. They, they don't want to come out in favor of Trump, but they don't want to come out against. Trump um, it, it's going to be it, it, it's going to be an interesting thing to see how uh, people like Mike Pence. Talk about the race, you know, how people like the, the candidates for Senate, um, Republican candidates for the U.S. Senate talk uh, about uh, Donald Trump. It's, it's going to be uh, I, I don't know where it's going to go yet. I, I think so far everyone's kind of you know, hidden away. And, and, and when you think of the people that, got, you know, were endorsed by some of the bigwig Republicans in, in, in the state, it was guys like Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush. Um, and now that those folks are gone, I guess they can go with the easy answer and say I'm for Kasich. But but in reality, he doesn't have a chance of winning the nomination through through the primary process at least. Um, so so if it comes down to Cruz and Trump. It's going to be very interesting to see you know what what the congressional delegation does, what the you know what what the leadership of the state house does, what Mike Pence does. But at this point, I really don't know.
0: I'm going to ask you about uh, Governor Pence here because he's also involved in this election. I'll ask you about him in a minute. But first, uh, sticking with Donald Trump, what do you find most troubling uh, about the idea uh, that he, as we progress week to week, is very close to moving into 1600 Pennsylvania?
1: Yeah, I I just think, you know, I think. We as Americans need to take very seriously what we expect out of the our country, uh, or even to run for the Senate, or or, or certainly the House. And um, it, it seems like um, there's a tolerance of of behavior and, and words um, and actions that that is just beneath our country. And, and and politicians, you know, not so long ago, if a if a candidate for president said something bigoted or, or horribly sexist or mocked uh, disabled people or, or you name the list of, of things that he's done, that would have been the end of that campaign. And, and, and I, I think um, so, so you yeah, have that part of it, it. It just should be unacceptable. And the second part of it is that, you know, when you think of the, people, the, the great leaders this country has had and even the mediocre leaders this country has had, at least they've tried to, in their rhetoric at least, uh, lift the country to a higher place and bring people together in the end. Um, and here is a guy who looks out into the crowd, sees that, that anger and that division and that animosity and, and the ugliness and, and and just tosses, you know, gasoline on it. Like, there's a great scene in the, the the movie Game Change, which is based on a book about the 2008 presidential election, where John McCain speaking to a crowd and, and some people in the crowd just start saying horrible, you know, you know, the things about Barack Obama, racist things. And, and the look on the actor's face, I think it was Ed Harris playing him, the look mm-hmm. on his face, and it was based on something that really happened, just showed that John McCain was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is the crowd, you know, that I'm, that I'm speaking to. He was, he was taken aback and offended. Um, and here we are eight years, eight years later, and, and instead of the front runner looking at the crowd and, and, and saying, no, we got to do better as Americans, he, you know, he's tossing gasoline on the fire and trying to make it worse, and trying to make these divisions worse. I just think it's a very
0: ugly thing. Each week, uh, people say, what Donald Trump did this week is the final straw. It, it he, He's yeah. done come Tuesday. He's done come Sunday. And each and every time, they have been wrong. They were wrong again with what we saw this uh, past week uh, in Chicago. Yeah. They thought that was going to be right. it. Um, because the scenes that we've been seeing now for the past several months have looked like other scenes that we have seen uh, decades ago. And they were sure on Tuesday he would be toast. And that could have been any further from the truth, aside from Ohio, which he really should have lost. I mean, as good as uh, Governor John Kasich appears to be in the state of Ohio, uh, Donald Trump had no business winning there. Outside of that, he won everything else on Tuesday. Um, There seems to be nothing that can stop him. And for me, that's what I like about this election. It is frightening. Uh, The idea that he could become president, but on an entertainment factor, I mean, this has been great material, one, because um, people have been wrong time and time again Mm -hmm. um, about what it is Donald Trump is supposed to be doing, uh, you know, saying that he is breaking the rules, but there is no rule book of how you should run for president. Uh, Right. And he has continued to defy that each and every week do you think the same um will happen once his attention starts to focus on indiana
1: well um yeah i think it's gonna be the same i think listen I, i've fallen for it numerous times where he has understood something that I, said, I thought okay that's the end i honestly thought when he took on fox news i thought well a republican in a republican primary taking on fox news that's not going to go well well it did you know when he when he trashed former President Bush um, and, and accused him of lying uh, leading up to the war. I, I thought in a Republican primary that would cost him. Um, it didn't. So I've fallen for it numerous times, not to mention you know some of the other things he said. I think it's reasonable that people fell for that, though, that, that people were fooled because you know history has shown that there are mistakes that politicians made have made in, throughout history, modern history, that were, were near as bad as some of the things he's done, and it ended their careers, ended their, their campaigns at least. So, so I think it's not not surprising. I, I don't think anything's going to change between now and the primary. I think once we get to the general election, and he doesn't only have to, um, you know, appeal to you know forty percent of the Republican primary electorate, but has to appeal to fifty-one percent of the American electorate. Um, I, I think then then these things become a little more dangerous for him. Right. Um, I, I will say I like one thing. You, I really like one thing you said. Cause there is one silver lining. I think to all this. Um, as scary as it is and as much as I oppose what, what he's doing and selling, I do like that um, you know, it has poked holes in the party system. And I've had problems with the party system forever. And I just think you know, whether I agree with the policies at the heart of the parties or not, I just think the parties have had way too much control for way too long. Uh, and and it, it is nice to see someone from outside the party system um, winning. Um, I just wish it wasn't him. And, and then also... It's been nice to see that negative ads don't always work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just been such a—it's just I, you know, cycle after cycle after cycle. These campaigns are determined by negative ads. Well, in this case, they're not working. And and so, you know, if there is a silver lining, it's that 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 old you know silliness isn't working this time.
0: I I think <laughs> for numerous reasons that you just named off are reasons why Donald Trump is going to do well in the Indiana primary because of the things that we have seen come from Governor Pence, RIFRA, and, you know, how much of a debacle that was on the national stage. Um, And, I mean, you could name off a list of things that have happened in the past four years of Governor Pence's administration that just did not uh, really sit well with Hoosiers. If the idea that people like Donald Trump because he is different and that he is unlike any politician that we've seen before. He is unlike a Governor Pence. If people are tired of what Governor Pence is doing, I really think Hoosiers are going to be uh, digging Donald Trump. And I think one thing that is going to help him, he's already kind of uh, been talking about it nationally, is the whole Carrier incident. I think he's going to come here and play that up very well. Um, And if I were him, I would take that as a chance to talk to Carrier.
1: uh, Absolutely. And, And, you know, also... I mean, Cruz is not a perfect candidate. Indiana is not a perfect state for Ted Cruz. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Ted Cruz, you know, he, he does, you know, he, he appeals to the evangelical uh, voters, um, even though Trump has done pretty well with, with those voters. You know, that's, that's not as nearly, nearly as dominant here in Indiana as maybe in, um, you know, Iowa or some, some other states where, where Cruz has done well. Um, you know, we, we've seen time and again that, that in Indiana people, moderate Republicans have kind of um rejected the you know the far-right social agenda um you know that's why Joe Donnelly's in office not Richard Murdoch that's why Mike Pence is kind of on the ropes in mm-hmm. this election year um so so yeah I, it, if there's another alternative I I think uh, there might be a different story um but if it's just uh you know Ted Cruz versus Donald Trump with John Kasich taking away some of the votes that Normally would go to the anti-Trump person. I, I think you're right. I think he, he comes into Indiana clearly as the front-runner.
0: Let me ask you on the other side: Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders here in the Hoosier State?
1: Yeah, I, I think this is a, a Hillary Clinton state. Um, uh, you know, this is a traditional, traditional state. Uh, Democrats are, you know, tend to vote more with the, the kind of traditional establishment candidate. Um, and, and I think by the time it gets to Indiana, uh, Hillary Clinton will have. So wrapped it up, um, and Bernie has surprised. I mean, every time you think his campaign's over, he comes back. Mm-hmm. He had a very bad night last night, but but everything I read said that he was long expected to have a bad night last night, and that the states to come are actually better for him. So so there's a chance that you know, his campaign resurrects itself after Tuesday, I should say. Um, but um, but but I think it it sure seems like by the time it gets to Indiana, especially when you look at the delegate map, that it's going to be largely wrapped up, and and I think Democrats come home and and um and give her a pretty big win.
0: I I agree with that. I think uh, it's a uh, shop is almost locked up for Hillary Clinton. She's got such a lead in the delegates. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump. I think this is Trump country. As for Mike Pence, he's running in this election. He and John Gregg, who uh, both we have heard. Uh, pretty much nothing from. Um, is tr- is Mike Pence in trouble? And when do you think we'll start hearing from those two?
1: You know, I, I I'm sure Mike Pence is more than happy to play the part of this campaign as long as possible. Uh, it doesn't hurt him at all. Uh, I, for the life of me, don't understand the great campaign and how quiet they've been. Um, I am I've just been flooded with emails from people who say that they you know they they don't like what Mike Pence has done and, you know, they, they oppose his agenda, but boy, in their words, I wish there was a Democrat I could really get excited about running. Um, John Gring you know, he's kind of seated, you know, months and months here where he could have been laying out ideas and Mm -hmm. agendas. He he, he decided to step back and it seems to me he's just going to run a, I'm not Mike Pence campaign. And that might be enough. I don't know. That's a, that's a risky proposition. Um, uh, you know, it seems to me both candidates are are in trouble um, and, and don't have a whole lot of um, you know very passionate supporters right now, and have some some work to do to shore up their own bases. Much less starting to reach out to the middle.
0: Well, hopefully now that we are actually in primary season and that's about to be over, but as quick as it starts, we should be hearing from them soon uh, because the clock yeah. is ticking.
1: It's our state, right? Who cares?
0: Exactly. Let, let, let me, but before we go, I want to I throw something at you. I was talking with somebody. I said this a long time ago. I also said that Donald Trump would do very well nationally, but nobody yeah. listened to me when I said it. What do you think <laughs> of Hillary Clinton and a John Kasich ticket?
1: Far-fetched. Um, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I think two things. I don't think it'll ever happen. I just, I, I, just, I, I think the party's system is too ingrained in both of them to, to like get their head around something that radical. Um, so, so there's that. Um, but I will say guys like me and I think there's a lot of people just like me w- would absolutely love, uh, that kind of ticket. I you know I, I've long, you know, I, I used to think Evan Bay and Mitch Daniel should have ran together. I, I just think that's kind of what our country needs. Um, um, I don't, I don't know that, that, um, People are ready for it in this divided era, but but I love the idea. I, I think uh, you know it, you know it's a no-brainer. Um, but unfortunately, you know, within our system, that kind of stuff just uh, seems far-fetched, right?
0: I was I'm going to say it's far-fetched and not going to happen. But uh, just because of the party politics, I don't. It, it can't happen. Like you said, you can't wrap your your head around that when people are solely. Um, with their party because they feel like they have to be with their party even when it makes sense right. to cross over party
1: lines. Uh, I will say this: if if, if you know, I, I imagine Hillary Clinton watching John Kasich's speech on Tuesday night and thinking, "Who? I'm really glad um, Republican voters aren't in the mood to elect a governor with a decent record uh, because because I, I thought the speech that he gave. Um, showed what a remarkable politician he was and, and in a one-on-one race against Hillary Clinton, given her, her baggage mm-hmm. this year. Um, boy, it, it just seems to me that, that you know, he'd walk away with it. But so I found Republicans seem more interested in, in you know, someone who is willing to yell at the other side and actually get things done.
0: As we've seen this entire campaign season, what makes sense apparently does not apply in the 2016 election. <laughs> Matt Tully for the Indianapolis Star, we thank you for joining us this morning. And, of course, we will stay up with everything that you have going on and the IndyStar and IndyStar.com. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much.
0: We'll be right back with more of Indy Speaks after this. Hey, nap time. This is your boy, Ricky Smiley, and you're listening to Indy Speaks with Cameron Riddle on Hot 96.3. And welcome back to Indy Speaks. I'm Cameron Riddle. This morning we are talking about House Bill 1337. For a lot of you, this may be the first time you've ever heard of this bill. This is a bill that puts strict limitations on when, where, and how you can get an abortion in the state of Indiana. This is a bill that is going to the desk of Indiana Governor Mike Pence. And one thing that you may find interesting about this bill is that it is written and promoted by a group of old men who can never. Carry a baby, Uh, so we can get into a discussion later about how we need more women to be down at the state house and legislature to make some law, so we don't have come up with uh, bonehead ideas like this one. And this bill is getting a lot of attention. This will make it one of the hardest places in the entire country. This is some stuff that you would normally hear down south, out of Texas. This is some weird stuff for a northern state. So. There is a group that is pushing back against Indiana legislatures and trying to get the attention of Indiana Governor Mike Pence. They are a group of people, and I'll tell you why I say a group of people in a moment, but they are the Indy Feminists. And I have two of their members on our live line this morning. We have Harmony Glenn and L. Roberts. They are a part of the group Indy Feminists, and they join us this morning. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, we've got a lot to break down here. Tell me about House Bill 1337, and why, for you, it's a concern. So
2: 1337 is actually sort of two bills in one. There was one bill in the Senate that looked like it was about to kind of crash and burn. So they excavated the language from that bill and shoved it into 1337 to create just an omnibus anti-abortion bill. Um, and regardless about what decision any particular person would make for themselves in the instance of um, you know, pregnancy intended that is um, experiencing problems or unintended, um, the, the fact remains that abortion is a, uh, a safe and legal medical procedure and currently, Indiana is one of the top four states where it's hardest to get one, and this bill would make it so much worse. Um, we're looking at um, f- additional financial obstacles an in, in ultrasound that has to be done 18 hours prior to the abortion service itself. Um, we're looking at a lot of things that sound like helpful information but are really there to actually shame and demean and coerce pregnant people. Um, sometimes at, you know, some of the most vulnerable and heartbreaking moments potentially in their lives um, as they are um, experiencing issues with much-wanted pregnancies um, that may or may not be compatible with life um, or may or may not um, have a, a diagnosis of a disability that, you know, could really impact not only, you know, the, the potential person to be born, but also, you know, the family. Um, And, to be honest, we're dealing with some pretty racist stuff in this bill, too. Um, There are specific bans on um, either sex or race-selective abortions, um, which, one, there's no compelling evidence that it's happening here in America in the first place. Um, Two, most of the abortions that take place in Indiana, the vast majority of them, happen well before you could determine what sex a fetus was. And three, these are things that are very specifically targeted at the fact that Indiana has one of the largest growing um, um, Asian populations in the Midwest, um, specifically due to immigration. And there's this stereotype that Asian communities don't value girl children, and so they will choose to have abortions instead. And like I said, there's, there's no compelling evidence that that's happening here in America, but that's targeting them. And it, and it leaves women of color vulnerable in the doctor's office to their doctor racially profiling them in order to theoretically stay within the bounds of this law.
0: Let me ask you this. It is my understanding that when we elect local officials to go work on our behalf at the state house, they are working on our behalf, supposed to, supposed to be a representation of what the people of Indiana, the people that elected them um voted voted for them and they want the people they the people of Indiana want these elected officials to do something for them so i guess my question is who asked them to do this the, i mean there are so many um things that people have asked the state legislature to do and they don't get it done but ideas yeah. like this come up
2: um this is about pandering to a very, especially in an election year, this is about pandering to a very specific subset of their voting bloc. Um, You know, this is about pandering to people who don't believe that any individual Hoosier has the right to bodily autonomy once they become pregnant. Um, This is about you know, especially for, you know, Governor Pence and, you know, some of the legislators we're seeing who are running for re-election this year. This is about getting dollars, um, both in and out of state, from people who want to see this kind of legislation pass. Um, not only for anti abortion legislation, but just, um, you know, very conservative legislation in general. We are sort of a, a test ground. Um, you know, big think tank groups come in. They essentially hand some of these legislators, legislators pre-written legislation. They don't even know what's in it. Um, one of the scary things about 1337 is they've shoved together so many different pieces of language that nobody's actually sure what the final outcome of implementation would look like. Um, and and they passed it because they're getting checks.
0: You all have been down at the state house. Um, from what I understand, I haven't found a female legislator, uh, someone who actually can carry a living person inside of them, um, who helped come up with this bill. Am I wrong, or is there uh, a female legislator down there who is helping to write this? Because as far as I know, this is a bunch uh, of old men who can never carry a baby who are coming up with this stuff. The
2: legislature is primarily male. Um, You know, primarily cisgendered men who will never, never have a pregnancy. Um, But that does not mean that no women support them. Um, The Senator Liz Brown um, is a very big proponent of this bill. I sat in a committee hearing and watched her be very rude to some people while she questioned them. Um, And very much with an agenda towards um, uh, bringing up things that are not true and have been disproven because they're really great talking points. Um, when it comes to the, the anti-choice community. What it's if,
3: important also to remember that you know patriarchy doesn't really know a gender, that there are women who also support and uphold patriarchal
2: values as well.
0: What is it that you all as a group are trying
2: to do? Um, right now, we're asking Governor Pence to veto the legislation. Um, it's both houses of the legislature, the legislature's gone home for the session. It's sitting on his desk awaiting his signature. And, you know, he's got two options, three options. He can sign it and put it into law. He can sit there and say nothing. And sometime within the next, depending on how you count, about five to seven days, it will become law anyway, whether he signs it or not. Um, or he could veto it and, and do his job, which is to, to you know, act in the best interest of Hoosiers, and this
0: bill is not. I don't know what your politi- politics are, but in my last segment I was talking with Matt Tully from the Indianapolis Star, and we were saying that it's this type of bill that has got a lot of people across the country fed up with their elected officials because they aren't uh, actually representing them doing what it is the people want them to do. I haven't heard an outcry of people saying we need tougher abortion laws in the state of Indiana. Have you been hearing that? No. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I am I mean, this is the kind of thing that annoys people with voting for elected officials like Mike Pence, and then they think, well, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump because he's totally different, which we can get into a whole another discussion about that. But... Right. Um, I just... I guess I'm a little confused, dumbfounded as to why this is necessary. I know you brought up several points uh, that they say uh, that they are concerned about trying to prevent in case this would happen. But, you know, if there are medical reasons that a woman should not be carrying that baby, if a doctor says, as I understand it, uh, you are going to have a baby who may live, six months and is going to be in a world of pain. They will not live long. They will not live a good life. It is an option for you to save what is going to amount to uh, thousands of dollars in healthcare um, and terminate your pregnancy. Now, not as an option. I don't I, I don't, I haven't heard anybody saying, you know what? I just think I want to go have fun and have an abortion. There are people who have had to take, this measure as a move for a better life. And I understand as the bill writes, uh, it mentions that abortions would still be allowed under circumstances when it affects uh, the mother's health. But it doesn't talk about the baby's health or the consequences that could come from it. Um, It sounds like other options are wait till the mother has a miscarriage and the baby passes away that way.
3: Well, unfortunately, this law actually accounts for miscarriages also and would criminalize someone who loses a pregnancy they actually want. And so this is something that we have to be steadfastly against because it is blurring the line between a a person who is pregnant having a choice over their body And inserting the lawmakers into a very personal conversation between a doctor and uh, a person who wants to carry a pregnancy to term or doesn't want to carry a pregnancy to term for whatever reason. Hang on, hang,
0: hang, hang on one second. Back that up for me. You said that this bill would basically criminalize having a miscarriage. Yes. Explain that part for me again, because my mouth just dropped.
3: The language in the bill includes an abortion and a miscarriage because the bill is three different kind of ideas rolled into one. It's an omnibus bill. So one one bill actually fails in committee, and so that, that actually segment of information was inserted into 1337, as Harmony said earlier, and so... It jeopardizes people who choose an abortion and may actually have a mis- miscarriage and have to account for why they miscarried and have to prove that it was a miscarriage. And then tack on um, a lot of different expenses that come along with um, burying remains. And requiring a lot of different things that are not necessary, or that a family might choose to do instead of actually forcing all families to do the same exact thing. And so, yes, it, it includes abortions and miscarriages, and this yeah. is the problem. So this if is I, the problem if, if, is so, so it's blurring that line. So
0: if I understand it right, basically, if a woman has a miscarriage under this law in the state of Indiana, they automatically become a suspect and possibly trying to terminate the pregnancy.
2: Yeah, it, they have, sorry, go ahead Harmony. <laughs> no, it 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 puts pregnant people in in the position of having to explain themselves or what's potentially worse is not explaining themselves and not potentially sharing very important necessary information with their doctor because this bill puts the doctor in the investigator's seat. Um and there is there's is a mechanism in this bill to punish doctors if they Perform abortions that are against any one of the bans that they have laid out. Um, so it, you know, that's again how you know it, we're talking about how parts of the bill are racist. You know, in a in a sex or a race selective abortion ban, who is going to get looked at more carefully? No. Oh yes,
3: and no. and and it's important to note that the only two women who have been charged for a miscarriage, charged as in lawmakers thought that they were um, trying to self-abort, essentially, and they were two women of color. And so that just shows you kind of where this could possibly lead and who would possibly be the target, the, the intended target of this type of legislation.
0: Wow. Um, We're getting ready to run out of time here. But I know a lot of people are thinking, Okay, so if you make abortion difficult, um, nearly impossible in the state of Indiana, what about the neighboring states? Is there anything that is stopping other than the financial reasons, which is another cost of just someone traveling across the border to Ohio, Michigan or Illinois to see a doctor or a clinic and get an abortion?
2: At this moment, no. But as we discussed earlier, Indiana is a testing ground. If this passes and this sticks here and the decisions that come out of the Supreme Court this summer go the wrong way, Ohio will be next in line. Ohio's been trying to pass a ban on abortions at the moment, uh, uh, potentially a a six-week total, you know, post-six-week-of-pregnancy total abortion ban for the last I don't know how many sessions. Um, You know, if if Indiana... It passes this legisl- it passes this bill to, if it goes into law and the governor doesn't veto it, it gives license to every other state legislature. I mean, we have seen the number of abortion restrictions on the state level in the last decade rise exponentially. Um, and we are leading the way on most of them. Wow So um, um, you know it, it might be an option now. It might not be an option by this time next year.
0: All right. And um
2: the financial burden can't be understated.
0: In the coming days, as you said, this is already on the desk of Governor Pence. Is there anything that people out there who are listening and concerned can do? And tell them about Indie Feminist, where they can contact you for more information, comments, questions, concerns.
2: Yes. So Indie Feminist is on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Indie um, you can find our blog at uh, indiefeminist.wordpress.com. Um, the blog is particularly helpful because you can scroll back through about the last three or four entries, and you can find all our breakdowns on why this is wrong. You can find links to our petitions. Um, we delivered 2,700 signatures to the governor on Monday um, or to his office. Um, since then, we are on track to almost double that number as more and more people find out what's what's going on behind closed doors in in their state house um there is also a link where you can find every possible way to contact the governor's office yourself directly and tell him how you feel about this and we encourage you to do so and do so often
0: and you can do so uh we will link you to indie feminists our twitter page and facebook page on our website Uh, at hot963.com Harmony and Elle uh, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to uh, explain House Bill 1337 to our listeners
3: thank you for
0: having us we'll be right back with more of Indie Speaks I'm Cameron Riddle and this is Hot 963 Join the conversation
3: and let your voice be heard by dialing in and calling 239-9696 now back to Indie
0: Speaks your life matters with Cameron Riddle And we're back. Good morning to you. I'm Cameron Moodle. And before we go, I want to get an update from someone that we heard from on the show just, uh, I think it was last week we had him on the show. Since then, he's been in the nation's capital. He's been in the White House at the same time as President Obama. So what exactly was he doing there? He's going to tell us he is. Kenneth, businessman, Allen. He was out there in the nation's capital, uh, working as on part of the uh, My Keepers, My Brothers Keeper initiative, and he was there representing a group right here in Indiana. He joins us now on our on the phone. Good morning, Kenneth.
1: Good morning. How are you, my guest friend,
0: Allen? I'm good. How was the trip out to DC?
1: Uh, it was an awesome trip. Uh, as you know, this is a very big year. Uh, we are in transition as it relates to the leadership of our president, so uh, emotions were high. Uh, it was just a great opportunity to, to visit our nation's capital, and particularly to visit the White House and learn specifically a little bit more about the president's my brother keep initiative. this shift, which you know we are just a little bit over a couple of weeks of the anniversary of when he actually launched this initiative, as you are aware. This initiative was you know, the cry uh, of the black community when we started to see repeatedly so many of our African American mothers and sisters being uh, uh, murdered in the streets at the hands of law enforcement, those in authority. So the president uh, did not want to sit silent. He thought it not robbery, to see what he can do in his capacity uh, as our leader, as our commander in chief, to be able to do something um, forward thinking, to be able to engage at the grassroots level. And so he put out an opportunity for several cities to actually get grant money uh, from the White House to be able to have Aiden Brown Brothers keep in this. And as you know, we do have one here uh, in Indianapolis that is managed uh, by the Indiana Black Expo.
0: Anytime you get to go to the nation's capital, let alone the White House, it is a uh, prestigious honor. How did you uh, get the chance to do it?
1: Well, you know, they say uh, it's not what you love, know, but it's who you know. So I am fortunate and blessed to be able to know some folks that are in key positions that, you know, understand my role and responsibility with the Indiana Commission Association of Black Males Office uh, and wanted to make sure that we were, had a voice and a seat at the table. As you know, Dr. King uh, once said and said it on several occasions, actually, that if you're not at the table, you are in fact on the on the men on the menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to thank definitely our, our great Congressman Andre Carson, who's on an outstanding job. I uh, fight to get the district out in Washington D.C. Uh, and then Congressman Hank Johnson, who was very very uh, instrumental in making uh, my trip come to come to pass.
0: So while you're out there, what was it that you guys talked about while you were in 1600 Pennsylvania?
1: Well. Uh, Actually, we got a spark of support on some of the cities that are doing some outstanding things throughout the country. Uh, Not only is Indianapolis a part of that initiative, but also Gary, I believe, receives some funding here in the state of Indiana. And as you know from the commission level, we have a very vested interest because we have commissions all throughout the state of Indiana, particularly uh, in those cities that have a high concentration of African American males. And we want to see every, obviously, every Hoosier male doing uh, well in the state of Indiana, but our focus is African-American male. So any resources that we were able to get uh, out there and any information we can do here uh, to be able to assist our local commissions because every city does not have an active local commission at this moment, and every city, as you know, does not have the funding for My Brother's Keep initiative. And so we want to be able to come alongside those cities who don't have the capacity to be able to actually get those grants to have a My Brother's Keep initiative, to be able to still support them to be able to provide resources, to be able to help our African American male across the state of Indiana, from Gary to Evansville, from Terre Haute to, to Richmond. Uh,
0: so, uh, as you said, you were sent uh, partially there on behalf of Indiana Black Expo and uh, Congressman Andre Carson. What's the type of report that you will be giving them about what you learned there?
1: I, I wasn't there on behalf of Indiana Black Expo. I said they have, they are responsible for our brother's people that sit here in Indianapolis. And we were a part of the actual uh, actual planning committee. Our, our executive director, James Garrett, was a part of that uh, initial group that helped form the My Brother Keep initiative. And so, what we want to be able to uh, continue to count on our congressmen uh, and those vested stakeholders to be able to continue to let us know where the resources are. Uh, I'm a firm believer uh, that press lose heaven, uh, the money lose earth. And so, we have to begin to be able to put resources. Uh, and invest in our young black males. As I shared with you last time I was on the show, uh, we had an opportunity to take a few African-American males before the Indiana General Assembly, before they uh, shut down for, for this particular legislative session. And one of the things that we stress is that it's wonderful to recognize these young African-American males. they got to stand in in the House chambers. We have to invest in the African-American males. We have to be able to put dollars and invest in their education, invest in their quality of life. And most importantly, invest in their communities throughout the state of Indiana.
0: So we are, as you said, almost a year in to My Brother's Keeper. What should we look for in the next year?
1: Well, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting uh, because, you know, this is the current president's initiative. uh, And, you know, uh, whether we like it or not, come January 2017, we will have the president of the United States of America. And so... uh, we hope that this initiative will continue to be thriving and continue to do well. Uh, but you know, when leadership changes, sometimes programming changes. We hope and pray that this is still a priority for whoever the next uh, leader of our United States uh, of America will be.
0: And of course, uh, as you are now going to be a frequent friend of the show, we're going to be we will be coming back to you to find out what it is. Uh, we need to know about what's happening inside of our community and and all of the places that you seem to be pretty welcome uh, into going to talk to.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It, it is indeed an honor and pleasure to be able to speak with you this morning. And Anything that we can do uh, from the commission standpoint, please let us know. I do want to remind you that we have an upcoming initiative, which is our Black Barbershop Initiative that's going to be taking place uh, all across the state of Indiana, uh, really engaging men's health, uh, we know that our African-American males particularly don't go to the doctor, and so we're bringing the doctor to them in uh, all of the major cities uh, across the state of Indiana every weekend in April, kicking off on April 1st in Evansville.
0: All right. Well, you know, we're going to have you back on sometime in April to uh, talk about that initiative. Kenneth Businessman Allen, uh, White House guest and ambassador uh, for the city of Indianapolis. Thank you for joining us this morning.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: I appreciate you and appreciate all of my guests this morning, including Harmony and Elle from the Indie Feminist and from the Indianapolis star, Matt Tully. Uh, Everyone, thank you for joining us this morning. The conversation continues on our Twitter page at Hot963 and with me at Cameron Riddle on Twitter and Facebook. We are back same time, same station. Next Sunday morning, beginning live at 7. We'll see you.